Again, welcome. I'm afraid I failed to mention earlier, uh, children are welcome in the service. We also have nursery down the hallway to my left. If you're visiting, we're really glad to see you this morning. Would you go just a simple extra mile, take a visitor card from the foyer, fill that out, give it to one of us. We'd really appreciate that. Ladies, um, this Saturday, so this coming Saturday, 7 o'clock, uh, this, this ends up being the exact same weekend that we had with Heart Cry last year. It's the, uh, it's the Spring Forward weekend uh, where we lose an hour next Saturday night. But uh, this Saturday at 7 o'clock with Cindy Curran, we'll have a weekend with Heart Cry Missionary Society, one of the key missions outlets that we love to support here. And so, ladies, there's two opportunities for you. I want to encourage you to take advantage of both of them. I've been interacting with Cindy, and uh, so we're going to be, you're going to be looking at some really helpful topics straight out of the word, Saturday at 7, and then Sunday morning at 9.30. And then uh, Don Curran will lead us as we hear about Heart Cry uh, a week from today. I also want to remind you, members and regular attenders, uh, VBS meeting after the service today. Really grateful. Uh, so grateful for last year and our director, after uh, demanding a large sum of money, agreed to stay on this year, Elizabeth Falk. Um, so we're grateful. So that meeting is today, and um, as is our custom, so if you're a member or if you're a regular attender who's, who's gone through that nursery-type clearance, uh, and if you have not done that yet, then you can talk to us about that. Uh, we care about our little ones here. We take every precaution. Um, so that meeting will be today after the service. Before we go to the sermon, as we think about the Lord's Supper, let me invite you to take a hymnal and turn to page 182. Page 182, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Let's stand if you're physically able. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Everybody. Surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. 
By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And we'll stop for there. Let's remain standing for prayer. Our Father, we do love the Heinz family, and we do commit them to you even right now. Lord, help us as we open your word. Lord, as we focus yet again on the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, in our experience to understand that the cross is not just our gateway to the Christian life, to becoming a Christian. Oh, Lord, please help us to see how much we need the cross again today and every day. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Our text this morning is 1 Peter, the whole letter. So before we continue on in our series uh, with further sermons from 1 Peter, I wanted to pause today and look at the whole thing. So the title is very simply the message of 1 Peter. The title is the message of 1 Peter. The text is 1 Peter. Let me ask you this morning, uh, how is work going? How is work going? Let me remind you again that work is honorable. Of course, unless you're doing some type of dishonorable work, which there are uh, those things that exist. Work is honorable. It's actually a gift from God. It's not the curse. Uh, work in a fallen world is does involve hardship, absolutely. But let us all just remember that work is, in many ways, a gift from God to be used for His glory. It's not the curse. How's work going? Uh, one lady, back in 2006, found uh, herself in hot water. Um, her name was Nadia. 2006, she was a British Airways official. She was not permitted to wear a small jewelry cross at work. Although the decision of British Airways was res was reversed, that she was not allowed to wear a jewelry cross at work, it was reversed. By far, the more important issue for Christians is not whether you're allowed to wear a cross necklace at work, but whether our lives reflect the cross of Christ. This is the distinctive Christian lifestyle which will make a difference in the workplace, end quote. Not jewelry, but do our lives at work, at maybe maybe working at home, school, at the workplace, do our lives reflect the cross of Christ? The cross of Christ is not something that we forget about, should not be something that we forget about after we're saved, after we become Christians, but as we see today, it has a prominent place in our lives every day. Let's dive right in. What is the message of 1 Peter? What's the message of 1 Peter? Number one, suffering. Suffering. 
Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you rejoice, Peter writes to them. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look at it again there in verse 6. This is point number one. What is the message of 1 Peter? Suffering. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Well, this lady named Nadia, who worked for British Airways back in 26, she found herself in hot water. It's been said that a Christian is like a tea bag. Not much good until it has gone through hot water. The point is never to make light of suffering. Dear saints, dear brothers and sisters, a quaint saying like this I think is good, it's helpful, it's true. It's not to make light of suffering. So much of Christian maturity actually comes through the discipline of suffering. And if we ask, what is this letter about, this five-chapter letter? I don't know, a hundred and some verses. What is it about? It's about suffering. The burden this morning, Crossway Church of Goldsboro, the burden is that we would, listen, is that we would not be surprised by suffering. That we would not be surprised by suffering. We certainly, as believers in Jesus Christ, if you're not a believer this morning, we're glad you're here. You need to know that becoming a Christian does not exempt you from suffering. Au contraire. As believers, we certainly don't want to be totally thrown off our rocker by suffering. We certainly don't want to be totally taken aback by suffering. But you will be. You will be you have not thought about suffering beforehand. We are called to suffer. I don't want to talk too much about this, but times are changing. I'm, I'm not a prophet. I don't know what next year has or the next 10 years. But we were just talking at our care group on Sunday night at the Kimes house about this book. And, and, and maybe, listen, maybe it doesn't feel like it right now. I, I, I don't need a message on suffering right now. Parson says it well. All you have to do is live long enough and you will suffer. And the church of Jesus Christ will suffer. And I don't know. But we certainly are living in unusual times. 
when the plain truths of God's word are mocked. And any vestige of Christianity in our country, we, we live in a post-Christian age. If that's you this morning, dear brother and sister, and maybe that's not you, maybe you say, I need a message of comfort. But let us not say, oh, I'll check out. No, we all need this. R.C. Sproul says, in his book called Surprised by Suffering, he said, several years ago, I was invited by the president of the American Cancer Society to deliver a series of lectures on suffering to people who were terminally ill with cancer. In those lectures, I applied Peter's concept to receiving a medical report of incurable disease. I talked to them about vocation. Here's Sproul talking to people who are fatally diagnosed with cancer. He said to them, I don't know what your vocation was before you came to this place, banker, physician, school teacher, or truck driver, but I know what it is now. Your vocation now is to suffer for the glory of God because you are not here by accident. I didn't say those exact same words to a loved one some years ago who was dying in a painful way. I was at a distance from them. I was not able to be with them face to face. I sent them an article, him and to his wife. My purpose was not in any way to shove my theology down this person's throat. The article did touch on very clearly cancer and the sovereignty of God. I don't know for sure. I don't think it was received extremely well. Of course, on one hand, you can understand why. Sproul is telling these people who are terminally ill with cancer, I don't know what you used to do. I do know what your job is now. It's to suffer for the glory of God. That, that doesn't fit well a lot of times. He said, you're here according to the will of God. Some of them bristled at that, but I told them, listen, I told them that if God had nothing to do with their illness, then they have no hope. If we think that our suffering is a result of blind chance and a collision of atoms outside the will of God, we are of all people most to be pitied. However, if we know that our pain comes to us by our Heavenly Father, then we ought to be able to say with Job, I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. Job 19.25 Final thing that I give you from Sproul, he said this, the hardest time to believe that God is faithful is when his hand is heavy on your back. The hardest time to believe that God is faithful is when his hand is heavy on your back. I don't know who I'm speaking to in terms of what you're going through this morning. Listen to the message of 1 Peter. It is, first of all, about suffering. I want you to see this. Don't take my word for it. Look at chapter 3, verse 9. Chapter, we already saw chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Okay, that was the first one. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. We're skipping chapter 2 because we're going to come back to it. Chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. 
for to this you recall that you may obtain a blessing. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So there's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. There's 1 Peter chapter 3, 13 through 22. 1 Peter 4. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, do you see? Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And then, really very important, is 12 through 19. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19 is kind of the culmination. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Quick pause. Now it must be, we do live in a fallen world, but did you know that for most of human history, we are the exception. For most of human history, suffering was seen as a part of life in this fallen world. Very normal. Not saying it's normal in God's good creation or the new creation. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, isn't that interesting what he says in verse 12? Don't be surprised. 4.13 But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will 
And it is God's will for his people to suffer. Entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Well, when you look at chapter 5, verse 1, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. You look at chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Lord, have mercy even today on the persecuted church. 1 Peter 5.10 And after you have suffered a little while, what's the message of 1 Peter? Here it is in one verse. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. 1 Peter 3, 9 through 22. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 4. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. 1 Peter 5, 1 and 9 and 10. Peter's a little bit funny. He says, if you endure suffering because you've done something wrong, he said, that's not what I'm talking about. Hey, I stole from my master, and he punished me, but I endured the punishment. Good for you! You shouldn't have stolen from your master. But Peter says, "If listen, if you suffer unjustly and you endure, then you're blessed. Because this pleases God. Because this is what Jesus did. Jesus suffered unjustly. Peter says in 1 Peter 5.1, We and I, I am a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Jesus suffered unjustly and he endured for our sake to save us. And so Peter says, when you suffer unjustly, book of 1 Peter is not talking a whole about physical suffering it's not really talking about physical torture it's talking about accusations persecution can take all types of forms he says no 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 you do something you do something dumb and you say I'm going to endure the punishment doesn't matter but it is a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing and it's pleasing to God when we suffer unjustly. Um, keep your place here and go with me to John chapter 9. We want to say, why? Why? Where's God? I said earlier, I don't know who I'm speaking to in terms of, I do know who I'm speaking to in many ways. I do know what many of you are going through. And like the people of old, we want to say why, and we, in our minds, we have our logic 
And logic is not bad. We just need to have biblical logic. So often we have our own logic and it doesn't go with the Bible. Logic isn't bad. But like the people of old, we want to say why. There must be some reason. So maybe it has to do with, you know, somebody's suffering. Well, maybe they sinned. And that can be the case. Or maybe their parents sinned. But a lot of times, it's the answer is, and it's not easy, the answer is it's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. You, you just need to, everybody needs to know, every Christian should know John 9. Look at it. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but, and here it is, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's tough in one sense. Suffering is according to the will of God, and it's for the glory of God. You ever heard of Samuel Rutherford? Listen to what he said. We were just singing this hymn last week. I asked the Lord that I might grow. Remember that hymn? I asked the Lord that I might grow. And Lord, help me to grow. Okay. Here's a 200-pound weight I'm going to drop on you. Now, that's not what I was talking about. If God had told me some time ago that he was about to make me happy as I could be in this world, and then had told me that he should begin by crippling me in arm or limb and removing me from all my usual sources of enjoyment, I should have thought it a very strange mode of accomplishing his purpose. And yet how is his wisdom manifest even in this? For if you should see a man shut up in a closed room, idolizing a set of lamps and rejoicing in their light, and you wish to make him truly happy, you would begin by blowing out all his lamps and then throwing open the shutter to let in the light of heaven. There's a man in a room, and he's idolizing lamps. These lamps, I worship these lamps. Get rid of his lamps. Open the shutters. Now he says here with this man born blind, what was it, John chapter 9? Uh, teacher, rabbi, what was it? Was, was it because of his sin? Was it because of his parents? In this case, neither. In this case, neither, that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Don't say this is easy, but what would you choose? Would you choose a life of pleasure? Maybe the normal American Christian life? Or would you say, I don't want this, but it's chasing me. God's chasing me. He's involved. And I will be with him for all of eternity. As it's been said, better to be, be patient, better to be a chastened saint than to be a sinner who God does not discipline. Be patient. It's been said. Be patient. Better to be a chastened saint than a sinner who is not disciplined. Well, that was there's two things and number one was the main thing what is the message of first peter back in first peter now please do that with me back in first peter what is the message of first peter 
Number one, suffering. Number two, Jesus Christ. Number two will be extremely brief, and then we'll put it all together, okay? What is the message of 1 Peter? Number one is suffering. I hope I demonstrated that. Number two, very briefly, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, what will you do with him? Look at chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone. He is a living stone. What will you do with Jesus Christ today? Who is Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. He's a living stone, verse 4. He's a cornerstone, verse 6. What will you do with him? Who is Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. The honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. What is your response to Jesus Christ? He is a living stone. He is a cornerstone. He is the stone that the builders rejected. You look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. 1 Peter 1, 17, and Peter writes there, If you call on him as Father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. This is point number two, Jesus Christ, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. What is the message of First Peter? Number one, suffering. Number two, Jesus Christ. And now let's put it all together, which is pretty easy because it's suffering. It's Jesus Christ and suffering. And having looked at the whole book, dear friends, having looked at the whole book, we land at what we read at the beginning. One more passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, 18 through 25. Look at this with me. You go there, 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25. have to do is live long enough and you will suffer. Don't be surprised by suffering. This is a letter written to believers. Don't be surprised by suffering as though something strange. What is this? This isn't what I signed up for. What you sign up for? As though something strange were happening to you. We definitely don't want to be totally thrown off our rocker, but you will be. You will be thrown off even to the point of apostasy unless you have thought about this beforehand. Is God able to help somebody who's not prepared, who's never thought about suffering, a Christian in the moment of crisis? He's God. He can help somebody who's not prepared. We're all grateful for that. Amen. He can help in the moment of crisis. But we need to think about these things beforehand. 
And so it all comes to this point. It all comes to this point. Jesus Christ and suffering. You see, the message of the New Testament is not, listen to me, it's not, first of all, about your suffering as an individual or our suffering as a church. It's, first of all, about the sufferings of Jesus Christ. We see that in verse 21 of chapter 2. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you may follow in His steps. I just simply want to say, Crossway, the cross is our example. Jesus is our example. Do you see that in the text? In 1 Peter 2.21, To this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. An example of what? An example of what? Will you go back to verse 18? Verse 18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Here's what I was talking about earlier, verse 20. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Those who are Christians who have been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ have a relationship with God and can actually please their Heavenly Father. This passage here, dear friends, this is why I said, how's work going for you? This passage is about employees at work, but mainly it's about servants and masters. Says, listen. Says, listen. You 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 suffer unjustly at work. Do it like Christ. Do it like Christ. Verse twenty-one. To this you have been called. He committed no sin. Verse twenty-two. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Hear the message of the gospel this morning for believers. For believers, Jesus Christ on the cross and leading up to the cross is our example. But there's a problem, and that problem is our sin, is that we don't follow His example as we should. And because we don't follow His example, and because we have rebelled against God, the meaning of the cross is not, first of all, example. The meaning of the cross is, first of all, what's called penal substitution. He died in our place. He bore our sin. This is 23 through 25. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Everything that Peter's saying here goes back to Isaiah 53. Everything. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Did you notice the tense? Did you notice the tense being used here? You were straying like sheep. By his wounds you have been healed. The main message of the New Testament is the suffering of Jesus Christ in our place. And because he suffered in our place and purchased our redemption and our salvation, his cross is also an example for us. So that at work or at home, 
in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. You're living with a man who is an unbeliever, for example. In all of these things, we might suffer and do good for the glory of God. To his praise. things that happen and the most awful thing that ever happened according to the book of Acts was when God predestined his son to die on the cross in our place and to suffer for us where was God where was God where was God when his son died on the cross sovereign over it all for our salvation. So that Romans 8, all we have is good, including the gift of suffering. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this letter. It is not a chipper theme. Lord, we confess we have been thrown off. We confess our love of ease. Lord, we do not look for trouble. But Lord, help us renew our minds. Help us to go back to the cross. Lord, and to see your sovereignty. And help us to suffer and to do good. Help us not to overcomplicate this, Lord, but help us to do good. And to endure. For this pleases you. Pray in Jesus.